Hello and welcome to Movie of the Year, colon, Best of the Year, colon, Movie of the Year. That's right. This is the Movie of the Year, Best of the Year episode that is actually getting down to the Movie of the Year. And that's why I'm hosting, because I am the former film person. Uh, in a text feed, Greg has taken that spot over, yes. and we will discuss that. <clears throat> We will discuss that on uh, when the regular movie of the year show comes back. Uh, Greg, I was going to introduce you first because I figured you would talk first, but you talked so much faster than I even thought you were going to. I was just supporting you. I said yes. I was backing up what you said. That It's called Phil, Ryan. It helps if there's layers of sound in there. It makes it feel like a more living podcast. So I was saying that you specifically has sto- have stolen my title yes yes and you were supporting me by saying yes yes i have i was hyping you <laughs> up man i was like this guy knows he's telling the truth greg i have a question for you yeah lay it on me this is it from our home offices in tucson arizona oh man the fat cats the big wigs i hate these guys what's a good movie nowadays what's a good <laughs> what is a good movie nowadays i would have to say a good movie nowadays is star wars <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I think I've seen that. No, sorry, not 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 Star Wars. Star Wars is not a good movie nowadays. Also, they don't make movies. That's the, something that we're just never going to talk about on this show again. Those are that's a TV thing now, like Law and oh, Order. Oh yeah, yeah. The, the the market has proven unsustainable for for Star Wars uh, movies. A good movie nowadays, Ryan, is Tar. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I don't know if we have to continue. Uh, yeah. McKenna, um. Let me ask you this. I want to make it different from Greg, but what's a good movie nowadays? <laughs> uh, you know, I, I I'm gonna I'm definitely gonna say something relevant and not something that came out past. I I'm gonna go with um, the Banshees of Insurance. <laughs> I'm gonna say okay. That's a good movie. You guys, we're, we're we're just going through the bracket now, and we can't do that yet. I need vague, general, generic, generic answers. answers. A good movie has people in it, possibly, but a better movie yeah. has animals. This is what <laughs> I'm saying. Hell <laughs> yes. <laughs> and that doesn't mean that we don't love a good silent. Always makes a good okay. movie. Okay. Yeah. I would say that this year taught me. Every year taught me, but this year specifically that. Uh, if you throw some dancing in there, it's gonna be good. Mm-hmm. Like I don't care what the movie is about. Punks and babes. Hunks and babes doing dances. Caitlin? Yeah. What's a good dance nowadays? A good dance nowadays gets your body moving. Um. <laughs> Does Caitlin know that much like Michael Scott, we don't record her first segment and then let her get all the kittles out, as they're called? Why was there fear when you repeated it? <laughs> a, a good dance. <laughs> wow. No, it invokes emotion, Ryan. Dances do? Mm, yeah. And, and you can feel it throughout your body. <laughs> I have to say, I'm a little disappointed and is this... you didn't say a good dance was a dance with your dog. Like, I just, well, <laughs> I mean, not all dances have to Take be it with back. your dog. You can also, like, you know, do the jerk or, like, Soldier Boy that hoe, and you don't have to have your dog in the room, because that would be weird. <laughs> don't Soldier Boy uh. your dog. <laughs> no, you don't do that. You don't do that, Mike. <laughs> uh, Cassie, did you watch movies in 2022? I 2022. Yeah. No, I was on strike in 2022. <laughs> on strike. I said so, no movies. No movies. No movies. No movies. No movies. <laughs> when friends would come over and watch movies at your house, you would sit in the other room with a sign. First of all, I would throw a huge fit. I'd be like, "You guys fucking know I'm on strike from this. How fucking dare you?" And then I would go sit in my room and just read a book, become oh. learned. 
if you guys haven't seen a Cassie tantrum lately, she's bringing the classics <laughs> back. It's laying on her stomach, <laughs> punching and kicking the floor. <laughs> My face turns so red because I'm screaming <laughs> the whole time. I don't love when, <clears throat> excuse me, when your face turns red and then your head spins all the way around. I thought it was a fun touch. <laughs> I, think I think it's pretty cool. It's kind of my party trick nowadays. Mike. Yes. You're here. I am here. Um, let me ask you this. Are there any good episodes of the like Pop Filter podcast nowadays? Of the Pop Filter <laughs> podcast? I think Not that's... Not that, sp- like under the umbrella oh, of... Okay, I was going to say, that specifically has been dead for... I think a decade. Uh, yeah, I think there's been some like classic uh, movie of the year episodes lately. Even though some mm-hmm. listeners, and I quote, say, are you ever going to talk about movies again? Hey, fuckers, we're doing it right now. <laughs> <laughs> and technically, we are not. We're talking about dancing and tantrums. Uh, Mike, if we were, later on, we're going to put all of the best of the year shows, mm. horror, preview show, mixtape, album, you know them all, into a bracket. What do you think is going to win that? Oh, I mean, preview show really lays it out there. I think it's hard to fight the character arcs and the drama and the hard-hitting questions of the preview show. Preview show is like, it, what if a WWE match just turn out the lights and let all the audience into the ring? Yeah. Like, it's just shit-throwing. It's what everybody wants. There were several <laughs> <Just> deaths. Shit-throwing. <laughs> That's why people love monkeys. Uh, Mike, I'm going to ac- ask you an actual question to open this up, and then we'll, uh, I don't know, talk Ew. with our friends about it as well. Chris. Um, the pandemic happened a couple of years ago, and movies sort Ooh. of just. Uh, okay. <laughs> I'm just. Bo- I, did you love the pandemic? I'm booing it. It sucked, dude. Greg is so like needs so much to be on the right side of one question, one topic. You know what? Um, I'm gonna take the devil's advocate position. I'm pro pandemic. <laughs> don't like look. A lot of people died. It was terrible. But don't you guys miss it sometimes? Do you remember those <laughs> those times where you just got to be home all day? Yeah, that's just We're my not life, right? To do that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, movie theaters shut down. Uh, movies became this uh, nebulous thing. It, you know, it was TV drama and TV comedy. There's no difference anymore. But then it became movies and everything. Um, what actually defines a movie? And they've slowly come back. Right, and we're going to talk about some of those reasons why in the bracket, because a lot of the movies that are responsible for this pseudo comeback, if not full comeback, are in the bracket tonight. But do you think movies came back, like all the way, if not inched closer to becoming the center of our pop culture world, or is that sort of gone forever? I think it. I don't know if it's gone forever, but it's kind of like early two thousands. People were like, reality TV is just a fad. Uh, and then it wasn't, and it took over for a while, and it was all anybody talked about, and now it's just another thread in the quilt of pop culture. I'm old enough to remember another one. Hip-hop's New just Coke? a fad. Oh. Rock and roll forever. <laughs> yeah, it's it's so, yeah, I don't know if movies will ever be the predominant thing again, because so many streaming services are, they're like, we'll just release them straight to streaming, and hey, not all of them, hashtag not all straight to VOD. But uh, remember when straight to VHS, straight to video movies, what that meant quality wise? <laughs> yeah. I'm going to start pointing out that I think that's happening with straight to streaming service movies. I mean, Cassie, do you remember a time when if it was a Netflix original, it was 
discounted and trash? Does it feel like that's the case anymore? No, like I, it kind of still surprises me though. I don't know why it does because it's been a couple of years where we'll get a Netflix original on there, and I'll, it's always kind of taken aback when I'm like, "Oh wait, that's a Netflix joint," but it's it's common now. Like Netflix throws a lot of crap out there, but then they'll like they have some ones that are actually respected and good. All Quiet on the Western Front, which I feel like I drafted on my Oscar team. Nope. Um. That, Okay, well, we'll check the tape later. Uh, that's a Netflix original, technically, in this way of speaking. So they're trying a little bit. You know? A little bit, but mostly um, Netflix originals are like, what is it called? Extract with Chris Hemsworth? Not Extract. Yeah. Extraction. No, it's uh, Extraction. Shoveled onto the onto the service. Yeah, and like never talked about again. They're, they're in talks for a sequel for a movie that no one has ever seen before. I watched it. <laughs> <laughs> um, Caitlin, let's go to you. Uh, yeah. Movie theaters are dying. Um, and how many times do you think, honestly, you go to a movie theater a year now post-pandemic? Um, I've been ramping back up because I, I don't think I, I went to like even last year. I think I only went to the movies like two, maybe three times. And I think I've gone to the movie two, three times in the past two months. All Jennifer Lopez rom-coms? Oh, man. I wish I saw that Jennifer Lopez one. But again, it was straight to streaming on Amazon. So I watched that in the comfort of my home. The average person goes to the movies twice a year Whoa. wow crazy and I beat that's them already. just like church <laughs> and that's now uh all marvel movies that they will go to so I mean, that's what i went to the movies for if you if there's a movie that you want to see that i mean you did see marry me in theaters which i'm not bringing yeah, up did. just to make fun not no. just to make fun of you but <laughs> ryan ryan i went to the movies two or three times in 2021 and one of those was to see marry me <laughs> i just gotta say that's nuts if you know a movie is coming out on netflix and in theaters in the same day are you gonna go to the theater yeah if it's a good movie honestly yeah because i want like, the good sound and the good the, the big old screen because you famously don't have a tv you have your phone that you tape to the wall <laughs> <laughs> i mean that's cassie but <laughs> but no I, I i like the big old theater and the fact that you don't have to fight over seats anymore i think that's really enticing to me because having to fight over seats was the big like i don't want to go yeah, for that you, that like, sounds like loser talk to be honest <laughs> When I go in the theater, I see the two seats I want, and if someone's in them, they're moving, man. I'm like a cat. I'll just climb on them until they leave. But, like, every theater that Greg goes to has a picture of him framed as a plaque that says, Jump Kick Champion. Yes. Like, don't mess with him. He brings his own frame, and he hangs it on the theater. I gotta, dude, I got, I'm, getting a, I'm getting a plaque that says that Jump Kick Champion. What Back tournament off. was that? Who were the judges? Nobody knows. It's, it's legendary. Uh, so Mac, I'll just like sum all this up with you. Um, are you nervous? Are you ner like uh, looking at our bracket tonight? And I think that it was an incredible year as long as you dug, as long as you searched for the movies that were good. Are you nervous about the future? Do you see movies maybe going the way of jazz in that this used to be the number one art that people talked about? No, I do think there's going to be a lot more sifting like we're going to have a harder job of finding the quality because there's just going to be so many thrown at us now that they're more commonly streamed but i do think movies offer something unique <coughs> that tv shows just can't and that you only get a moment with characters and the the writers and the directors only have so much time to show you an arc or a story um, and I think there's a beauty in that. They have less chances of, like, fucking up a character because they don't think we can just spend four seasons destroying everything we just built up. Um, so I, I think movies are still unique in that way. I think there's there's something that won't die with that. 
I totally agree. As much as I loved watching TV for these end of the year shows, like this bracket really showed me that TV fucking sucks, and it's still <laughs> the little bitch brother of movies. Like, not to keep shitting on this, but Under the Banner of Heaven, like if that was a two-hour <laughs> shitty movie instead of nine hours of shittiness, that would have been so much better. Or like. Some of the non-Andor Star Wars shows, some of the uh, like the Marvel shows, like why are we eight hours? You know, contracts. I, I would watch thirty-two hours of The Mandalorian, under the which Banner I will. Of That's what I thought you were <laughs> What I loved about preparing for this is people gave Harry Styles a lot of shit a few months back, and I think there's probably a lot of things you can give that guy shit for. But I'm fully on the record saying I support – I don't know about that movie. Haven't seen that movie. But saying this movie feels like a movie. Hell yeah. So many movies we watched for tonight feel like movies. And I think that is a perfectly yes. smart thing to say. Is that what <laughs> Harry Styles said? Yeah, he said, uh, don't worry, darling. It's a movie that feels like a movie. And people are like, that's stupid. Uh, I don't know. Have you gone to see any fucking Shazam movie or Marvel movie? They don't feel like movies. There's two types of movies in 2023, Shazam movies and Marvel movies. <laughs> Which genre do you like? But I think, Mac, I think you summed it up best by saying um, we just have to sift. Who better to sift than the six of us? That's our job. That's what we do is we get you the movies that you need to see. The Cinema Six, sifting away. That's a badass I name. feel like we can do like some gold rush type of thing, like with our little like pans. Like We're sifting through it to find them little gold nuggets. When you say do that kind of thing, yeah. do you mean like... On a logo or nope, As a literally do it. Okay. Yeah, like pan for some gold, dog. Physically right pan for the gold. They're moving in them rivers. For most of us, the <laughs> the rush to California is going to be a lot easier than it was in the 1800s. <laughs> we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to pick. We're going to have the eight best movies of the year go into the ring and battle each other. Some of these matchups, guys, are fucking insane. I'm so nervous. I'm so sad already. But when we come back, the best movie of 2022 will be determined. Our first battle features two movies that became phenomenons, confusing Hollywood because neither stars white people, nor do they have many white people shenanigans, unless you count being villains. Our first seed and likely winner of the Oscar for Best Picture is Everything Everywhere All at Once. One of two movies in the bracket that was credited for saving movie theaters, and movies in general, E-E-A-O-O, stars Michelle Yao as a Chinese-American immigrant struggling to keep her marriage, her family, and her business intact. The only way she can save her life and the entire multiverse is by teaming with her parallel universe Michelles. The film, directed by the Daniels brothers, pushes on all of the edges of genre and absurdism to give us a wholly original movie that also somehow fits into every current trend. It's going up against our ninth seed, RRR. The most expensive Indian movie of all time, the film became as legendary as its two lead characters, Raju, played by Ram Charan, and Kamaram, played by N2 Rama Rao Jr., Two real revolutionaries whose lives, friendship, and adventures get some good old-fashioned Indian exaggeration. Like its opponent, it also covers every genre ever, from action to historical epic, from romance to bromance. (laughs) Tasty Caitlin, a nickname I will not keep for you. (laughs) I ask you this. Which of these giant, time-spanning, country-spanning films, beloved by everyone who watched them, seems more of a complete piece, one complete story? That's... Go crazy question because these first of all RRR was like three hours and they broke it up into so many different sections where it was like this is not just a movie this is like a ballad it's like there's so much to it and they literally have everything they have dancing they have war anything you can think of is in that movie everything everywhere all at once has 
fuck faking, <laughs> faking people with hat tag hands. Did you watch Banshees recently? <laughs> <laughs> I watched Banshees today. Can you tell? <laughs> but and then you also have such like moments that make you want to cry because of connections that these characters have. There's there's so much to it. But it also feels like it's a Marvel film because they're working with multiverses. So these movies have so many layers and you're just like whiplashed between like all these different genres but they work so well. And I don't know, Ryan. (laughs) You know what? (laughs) Fuck you for asking. How about that? Fuck you. Mike, Mike, let's go to you. Does this feel like the worst but also kind of best matchup to put these two together? Yes. I just wish it was in an hour. Uh, I don't want to make any decision right now. What I, what I love about both these movies, it is whiplash-inducing, but what the creators of both know is that's life, baby. Any movie that's like, here's your one note, we're real depressing for two and a half hours, that's not life. But if you're laughing at hot dog fingers to crying at mother-daughter relationships or like, hell yeah, let's have a dance-off against white villains versus, oh no, my best friend is lashing me with a, a metal whip. Like, they... The whiplash is fluid. It's sometimes things can be totally jarring in a bad way, and neither of these movies are. I think they handle their their shifts so superbly. Okay, so let me throw this question up to everybody. Then is there one? Because we're here, we're we're talking about eight nearly perfect movies, right? It's time to nitpick. Is there one where you felt the lumpiness or the tone jarring or the unnecessary tangents? I don't think I, I felt unnecessary tangents uh but i think that r r r is is amazing and cool and wonderful but something about it being three hours felt uh, just a little unwieldy everything everywhere all at once um like there's nothing superfluous there's nothing extra like it it very much feels like anything that seems like a tangent gets sort of like woven back into the central story and anything that seemed like it was extra or too much becomes like sort of a focal point in a way that you never thought it would. You think Hot Dog Fingers is going to be like a one second gag. And then you go on this like intense emotional journey with these Hot Dog Fingers people <laughs> and you really feel for them and you can't help it. And then like, ha, so ha, it, yeah, sorry, keep going. Just that, just that like by the time you get to the end of the movie, you realize anything that seemed extra was actually pulled in towards the center, and anything at the center also got pushed towards the outside, and I thought that was just a cool phenomenon. Which is the ability of the script and also what is happening inside of the script, is everything just getting pulled together. Mm -hmm. Do you wish that in Everything Everywhere they went to Banshee's Land and just had Brendan Gleeson throwing hot dogs (laughs) at the door? (laughs) Just at the the door. (laughs) That would have been pressure. Die. Hey, Oscars, if you're out there trying to like put the host into all of these movies this year, call the six of us and we will figure that out for you. I love hot dogs. Okay. So, yeah, I don't know what else you need to hear. How cool would it be to see Will Smith run up on stage and hot dog fingers slap? <laughs> but then later they have a romance and you realize that they're actually made for each other. Just or not even run up there. Out of each other's fingers. Yeah. <laughs> just sit in his chair and have such baller ass long hot dog fingers. You can do it from <laughs> the front row. Back, can you bring this conversation back? <laughs> oh, I think it's going to take an alternate version of myself to uh, find some semblance from connecting hot dog fingers to um, to the bracket overall. If um, I I genuinely don't know where to go because much like these movies, 
the conversations we have taken with <laughs> my thoughts are very I do scrambled. think um, um the only thing that like nitpicking wise like if you can t- put these two against each other the only thing that broke up rrr where it didn't feel as entwined and fluid as um everything all at once was the title cards i guess that came up each time they gave you an r it was like a mental reset for me. Like they were like, this is what this R is. And I was like, rad. But also like for a second, like it does kind of stop. It took me out from like the scene, but it does. It makes it more like a play, I guess, which was cool. But yeah, but does it, nitpicking here. Also, <laughs> doesn't the movie constantly take you out, but in the best way possible? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. it's never cinema verite. You yeah. know, it's mm-hmm. always like I'm just watching this tremendous fireworks show mm-hmm. in the best way. Yeah, I did I th- feel like watching both movies i i quibbled a little bit with their messages like they were fun and like um, the nra loves rrr let's just be honest <laughs> is that and and also like it kind of doesn't rr imagine like um an india that like has no muslim people in it that all the heroes are are um like the only laudable figures are hindu national figures and that made always made me feel a little uncomfortable and everything everywhere all at once you know, sometimes people have like toxic family members and the answer isn't just always cling to everybody because they're your family. Sometimes the answer is like you got to cut people out of your life if what all they do is drain you. And I felt like this movie kind of like in a way maybe excluded people who have needed to sort of like part ways with some of their family. I mean, I, I totally hear what you're saying, but like. In, a, in two movies that have so much energy and that are focused on so much stuff, do we, like, do we throw this parachute on them of, like, th- the message didn't really land? No, but when you're looking, when you're saying, like, here are two perfect movies, now talk about ways in which you can differentiate them, what you start doing then is you start maybe getting a little nitpicky. Like, you start thinking about what elements worked and didn't work and how do we create daylight between the two of them. Mm-hmm. And so right. I think one way you do that is you... You look at their messages, and then you ask yourself if they make you uncomfortable at all. I think while I agree with one of your nitpicks and disagree with another, Greg, is I, I'm on board with the RRR one because it's trying to tell a countrywide epic tall tale. Like th- th- These are like demigods, and it is trying to be like, look at the history of our country right here, right now. But like, it's so broadly spanning. So to ignore a huge swath of populace that historically has been ignored by that country feels... A little, uh, and but, at a time where there's like a a huge rise in Hindu nationalism, as there's mm-hmm. a rise in nationalism in many countries across the world, but that is one of the centers of it, and right. so it just feels like an ill bit of timing. I also love how uh, it's like, but Muslims were not portrayed in the movie at all, and everybody's like, "Oh shit, that is a problem." And then other people are like, "And the English were like sort of over exaggerated," and everybody's like, "No, they weren't. Actually, <laughs> that, that that didn't happen at all." <laughs> But, Sorry, Matt, uh, keep going. For everything, everywhere, all at once, I guess I disagree because it's like it's one of those like the universal is specific. So I don't think the movie it was trying to say every family should be like it really is drilling down to these four characters. And one of the many moments that Michelle Yao's character is learning is her confronting her dad and be like, I can't do to my daughter what you did to me. So it isn't cling to him. It's like, listen. Like I, I get what you're saying because the, the that made me yeah, but she doesn't that, write him off. She like they she creates a narrative that brings him back into the fold. And right. It, you I just think it would have been like more more emotionally resonant if he got kicked into the everything bagel. Like she was like, no, <laughs> fuck you. Like there's no redemption. <laughs> I I think that there are a lot of people who have had to um, disassociate with members of their family because they have such toxic attitudes. Mm-hmm. And I just think I could see 
someone yeah. being like, I, I don't, you know, especially some like some women have issues with their moms that are like, just you can't bridge that gulf. And then yeah, moms are the worst. it feels like the whole point of the of the movie is like, yeah, but you have to. You mm-hmm. absolutely have to. Okay. I, I got a different bit of a read. I think it's not that you have to, but if like they're willing okay, to work yeah. at it and listen to you, it can work. Yeah, I don't think it was so much of like that's necessary for you, but it was so much on her perspective of, oh no, I need yeah, to change. I'm it's the me. problem. Me. Consistently. <laughs> Had it more been the daughter being like mm-hmm. putting all the effort in to get her mom to change, then I would have read it that way. But it was so much more of her recognizing it started that with her and that she had to like change me. her relation that 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 makes a lot of sense actually all of the problems yeah in my life are are at the root of the yeah and i get a little bit nervous about like oh my mom doesn't accept my septum piercing i'm done with her forever you know like <laughs> the the conversation and yeah i totally agree mac like the fact that like uh you know you you bring up this issue and now your mom's willing to deal with it she does have to go through she has to meet 1000 other of her but she did eventually go through it. Uh, I do. I think the main message of the movie is that if you have terrible parents, you only have to be slightly better than them. Yeah. So you get to <laughs> you get to be a terrible parent to your children. It's just you have to be a little bit better than that. Soar over that low bar. All right, Cassie, this is it. You're going to me for the vote. Uh, yeah. I gotta go. Well, no, I like I'm, I'm starting with you because I, I want to talk to you first about this vote. Um. I don't know where you. St- I don't know if RRR is super your movie. Is a banger, Ryan. Yeah. It's 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 good. It's fun. It's a good time. It 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 is three hours. It doesn't necessarily fully feel like it, but you do like naturally just have to like be aware of time. And then you're like, damn, this is three hours. Like that- when you're watching it, do you ever put up your left hand? And you're like, with this, I control time. Did you say that? Yeah. 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 Did you watch me watch it? <laughs> <laughs> I watched you watch Tar and RRR at the same time. It was, yeah. A Tar great experience. They sync up pretty well. Uh, whereas Everything Everywhere All at Once is that, do you think in Cassie Parlance, more of a banger? <laughs> I think it's just such a good movie. I, It's number one for a reason, which is why this is a heartbreaking matchup. Because RRR, it's the last seed right that's how this one works that's how bracket works do we do we discount it because every time you say the title of that movie you sound like a seal (laughs) (laughs) and for that reason it can't move on (laughs) i want it out of my life as fast as possible so your vote is for everything everywhere it is caitlin yeah what do you think um i do like both these movies they're both wild and i i love all wild things um (laughs) But oh, Caitlin, before yeah, we go, mm-hmm. I want you to go around the room yep. and tell us um, which is a which of us is a Raju and which is a Beam. God, I wish I could remember who was who. Raju is the military soldier, okay, who gets the bone arrow at the end, okay, and then Beam is the guy who is the the, the yes came from the tribe, yes. Um, everyone, I have to tell everyone everywhere all at once. Look in their eyes. Ugh. Okay, I'm gonna say everyone's a Beam because you're all nice people and <laughs> probably have really nice beards too. <laughs> that's bullshit yeah I'm he's a, a curly and i'm a curly so i think that goes yeah, in, yeah, i think that goes outside i don't think anyone can be mad I, ryan if you're mad about it i can tell you that you're the other one <laughs> <laughs> well i just i like uh pretty militaristic right yeah. um dedicated to my craft of beating people up yeah uh, jump super high abs- <laughs> <laughs> luxurious eyelashes for days oh my god was that cgi <laughs> it yeah. had to be those were that's so why unreal. the tigers look cheap as they spent all their cgi money <laughs> <on their mustache. laughs> 
in the in the scene Money where well spent. In the very beginning of our, our um, uh, one of the British soldiers, did you guys recognize like the King of Britain or whatever? Yeah. As Punisher Titus, Three, Titus Pulo. Yeah, or the guy from Rome. Yeah. Um, he's like arrest that man who's like way out there, and um, he goes and does it. And I was like, wait, he's working for England. Yeah. Is he, is he one of the bad guys? And Stephanie was like, he is not. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I will tell you this right now. He is not one of them. Stephanie and is if he wife. is, even better. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So we're all beams. Uh, but what's your vote? Oh, man. Um, I honestly, again, the only thing against RRR is the fact that it was so long that I did have to cut it up into two different days and watch it. Two. That's pretty one good. I think. R's per. Yeah. I had to do a, an R and a half. Um, and, and then I had to rest in between. Um, uh, so yeah, I'm going to have to give it to everywhere, everywhere all at once. Cause I feel like it was more concise and told the story and I didn't feel like I had to break it up at all. Okay. Greg. Yeah. Ryan. It's vote time, bud. I, I think I'm going to disappoint you based on where I am in the voting. I loved our, our, our is so fun. Uh, the dancing and the music, but I, I just kept thinking that there there's something I wasn't totally comfortable with about it. Um, and so I think everything, everywhere, all at once is as close to a perfect movie as you can get. Just have, having quibbles with it does not mean that it's not an almost perfect movie. Uh, I really appreciated like the sort of economy of the movie, and it had probably some of the funniest moments of any movie uh, of the year, uh, mixed in with all the heartfelt moments. So we didn't even talk about the raccoon. Yeah, we haven't even talked about raccoonie. And again, that's another like very silly element that you are sure they're going to throw away, and then they keep coming back to it until finally, like he's crying and snot running down his face. Raccoonie. If if everything everywhere wins best picture. Like, it's going to be, in the clip shows of the future, it's going to be, like, Bridge Over the River Kwai and Lawrence of Arabia and then Butt Plug Fight. The Butt Plug <laughs> Fight, dude. That thing just hanging out, man. But, you know, that, like, a, lo- a lot of us feel like um, we have, like, a very, like, artistic spiritual side and then also a very base side, like a shadow self that we, like, don't uh, totally want to own. And I feel like this movie just integrates them in a way that's like yeah everybody's perverted and weird and childish but they're also like made of light and beautiful and like it, it can be everything and it can be everywhere and honestly it can <laughs> oh, be oh shit here we go yes <laughs> <laughs> sorry this movie was funny <laughs> uh, i've also heard theories where like um the people who grew up on the shit that we grew up on that actually appreciated it and i'm talking about like uh naked gun or you know, crappy Disney movies are now uh, elevated to like where we're now going to make, we're going to dictate, not just make good movies, but dictate what good movies are. And so all of our influences are coming into that now. Our and podcasts every- are helping to set the zeitgeist. That's what I was trying to say. Thanks, <laughs> translating. All right, back, where are we going? Yeah, um, I, I don't want to be just beating this dead horse of voting but i I am going to go in the same direction as everyone else with everything everywhere uh i have to go with the movie that i felt more energized after watching that i felt like the pacing definitely matched um to be honest i'm always on the verge of falling asleep (laughs) these days and that was one of the few movies that was like i feel not tired at all while watching um but also not just that it was exciting and a lot of action but i also felt like 
with a renewed sense of view of the world, um, which I think is nice. I think movies that kind of challenge you to see things differently are always worth watching. So everything, everyone. Mike, I have two votes. If there's a, if we need a tiebreaker, as the host, I will give you a second vote. (laughs) So. That would make this a tie, four to four, if we both vote for it. Do you want to do it? Yes. Uh, RRR has everything I want in a movie. I had the biggest childlike wonderment grin on my face for those three and a half hours. Is there a set piece that like stands out to you, Mike, that absolutely destroys the rest? I, I It's one because it's so big. It's early on, it set, helps set the tone, but Raj versus... A thousand people at once yeah. is when I was like, "Oh my god, it's Indian Fast and the Furious." <laughs> <Yes>! <laughs> um, and then the dance fight—those yeah. are probably my two favorite moments. And just like the, the showing the difference between the the Indian folk and the white folk of be like, the white folk are pissed while they're dancing because like we got to win, and the Indians are like, "Hey man, dancing is awesome, isn't it?" Even though we're in a competition, <laughs> like, <laughs> see, you did not mention my top two. Whoa, they because there's so many. What are your top two? Uh. Me on motorcycle, you on horse. Save oh, the kid. Yeah. yes, we go. Yeah. <laughs> Fred Armisen, we go down and we save. <laughs> and uh, my legs are broken, bud. Mm. Uh, should I just get on your shoulders? And should we absolutely fucking yes. crush everything? Yeah, the assassins <laughs> created while one of them had broken legs and carried the other one. It was... I was like, Voltron! <laughs> it's from it's... the makers of three kids in a trench coat. <laughs> two action heroes stacked on top of each other. And just so, to so boldly never explain yeah. why these guys are super powered and everybody's just like i can't do that but they can that's fine like i really liked <laughs> that cultural difference from if it was an american movie you'd have an extra hour to be like Ooze. well here's why there was the origin Ooze. story but like that's the thing that sort of makes me think of pixar while watching this movie is that as you know we're sort of as audiences get more sophisticated we need more nuance in our storytelling we need more background and character development but also just like Why'd that happen? Oh, because that cool. Let's move on. And then you can fit everything in. And if you set that tone correctly, right, then you can sort of do everything. In a Western movie, it would it would just be they just talk to somebody wearing a long white coat and they're like, oh, oxygen is making their muscles better. And it'd be like, okay, good. We have an explanation. Let's move on. Do you really need that like three minute scene? No. And that's that's why it t- to me it felt like tall tales that you learned about in elementary school. Like yeah. there's just yeah. there was normal people in history, but then also Pecos Bill rode around on tornado. That was his horse, and you're gonna deal with it. Like, but where is the Pecos Bill prequel where we find out his love of tornadoes, uh, how he got these abilities? Oh, the tornado has a soul. I never knew that. It's gonna totally change the way I look at that now. Hey, Greg, we joke a lot. No, they fucking don't. <laughs> All tornadoes go to hell. Uh, but everything, everywhere, all at once, I think gives me everything I need in a movie. Rounding back to saying, I said RR gives me everything I want. Um, two, I think, do Caitlin said it feels like a Marvel movie. No, it doesn't because uh, these characters change and grow and are actual humans and make you feel things. Okay. It feels and- like a Marvel movie, like <laughs> Spider Man into the Spider Verse. Feels sort of calm yes. out there. <laughs> Someone's a little angry. It, to, to be able to play with like the, the 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 common parlance of the day, be like, oh, you guys are sick of multiversals. Uh, I'm gonna do it and rip your heart out in a way that every other version of this cannot do right now. The the Daniels have been perfecting. I love Swiss Army Man, but it is goobery as shit. I just saw I saw it recently, and it, it's fun and goofy, and I'm like, what a fun learning step for you guys to, like, <laughs> they had to make that to be able to get here, and I bet James Gunn is kicking himself, because I think 
the Daniels and everything everywhere all at once do exactly what he wants to do and riding that line between silliness and heart without being saccharine. Well, uh, James Gunn is directing the RRR remake with Paul Mescal and Timothy Chalamet. I don't like that. And Harry Styles plays both of them. <laughs> so that's pretty impressive. Uh, RRR, thank you so much for coming. Uh, an absolutely incredible experience, but everything everywhere all at once does move on. When we come back, we're going to get a little less crazy with our movies, I would say. Well, that is very, very funny or very sad. And perhaps now you have something to think about or very problematic. And perhaps we have something to think about. But in any event, I'm sure you have some reaction to what you're listening to. So why not check us out on the social media? You can go to Instagram or Twitter and find us at your pop filter email contacts at your pop filter hey everybody keep watching them movies our fifth seed is jordan peele's third movie nope released in the summer as one of the few studio blockbusters that relied on the name of the director as opposed to ip nope sees peele get a little less horror focused and a little more spielbergian it takes place on a horse ranch where a brother and sister realize that they have a visitor in their skies and decide they want to capture it on film the movie tackles exploitation particularly in pop culture and essentially serves as a how-to guide on standing to shoe straight up. It's up against our 13th seed, Turning Red, a movie that Mike forced into the bracket and then used it to kick out the best movie of the year, After Sun, <laughs> essentially sealing its fate as the worst movie in this bracket. For many, Turning Red is a return to form for Pixar. Not a return to theaters, but a return to form, as it gets back to Pixar's roots, telling an incredibly grounded, relatable story with a small genre kick, and then make everyone cry. Film tells the story of Mei Li, a 13-year-old Chinese-Canadian. Canadian. A lot of people forget that. This <laughs> yeah. is not a Chinese-American. So Chinese-Canadian student who turns into a giant red panda whenever she feels a strong emotion. Or as Chicago Tribune film critic Roger Ebert called it, a cross between Hulk and a tampon. <laughs> oh, my God. Roger, what the fuck? <laughs> and he what? said this posthumously? Yeah, he said this yeah. from the grave. He <laughs> told Miss Cleo. May Lee learns to deal with the gift slash curse of becoming a red panda and the gift slash curse of having a mother. Tasty Cassie, I ask you this. Which movie better shows that the best way for families to bond is to put a giant monster right in the middle of them? <laughs> um, Pixar because the monster was cuter. Mm-hmm. Is my then answer. that big hat looking? Then that weird tarpy. I don't know. <laughs> I don't. I was trying to explain this alien to somebody, and I was like, "It's like a tarpy, floppy alien." And they were like, "Okay, so just like a sheet." And I was like, "No, it's complex. <laughs> like it's got depth." Did it's... you also describe <laughs> conductor Lydia as tarpy? Yeah, she's a little tarpy. <laughs> it's all round, this. but the center is a square. What's going on? What are you? <laughs> it's the weirdest thing. It literally. I had to like. I had to sit with it for a while just off the form of this alien once I saw how it worked. I literally had to process like Did you switch chairs? <laughs> yeah. I went to my thinking chair. <laughs> it's like this everybody don't talk to me Watch for a moment. Chair. <laughs> I'm gonna have to push you aside. It's thinking chairs time. <laughs> But Turning Red, however, is uh, a cuter monster. And I'm getting a text from you right now, Cassie, that says this is your favorite period piece. Oh. Absolutely. Do you get it, though? Do you see what I, <laughs> do you see what I did? <laughs> Cassie's but, yeah, our this... generation's Roger Ebert, I think, is what everybody's been saying. <laughs> That's what okay. everybody says. Let's get to the important question, Ryan, if you don't mind my underhosting here. Uh, who wins in a fight between very big Red Panda, like the, the huge version at the end of the movie, and the bad guy from Nope? Because... I think it's I think Red it's, Panda. Easy. You think you think it's giant Red Panda until the end when Nope 
spaceship goes, and then you just watch Red Panda go up the fucking goal. You watch it slowly get up the Can't tell if it's having fun or getting killed. Well, singing of one Chan song or whatever the band is. One new direction. Boys for now. One new direction. Nude erection. How does this stack up against the other Pixar movies? Because you called it a return to form, Ryan, but like. Yes. I think that we've been on. on return to form? I think that this is the best, probably. And although I do kind of hate this movie because of Mike, (laughs) uh, (laughs) I do think that this is the best since, like, uh, Inside Out, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Which is. I think now, Which is a decade looking ago. back on it, I know, but it's like it's been elevated into the all-time Pixar right. movies. Um, and I watch stuff like, or I think about stuff like Soul, which just doesn't <laughs> work. Like it's focused. <laughs> That's my. Is that Mike him falling down the manhole, Mike? <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, listeners, Mike did channel um, Chicago Tribune uh, movie critic Roger Ebert by. Not just doing his thumbs down, but also making a fart noise, which Roger Ebert would often do with his butt. Ebert was like, that soul's in hell with me. (laughs) This is the one where I was like, this is fucked up. Why aren't we getting back to theaters? And then Mm -hmm. they heard me and they were like, all right, we'll put Lightyear in theaters. No, 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 Gotta watch what you say, Ryan. Mike, as um, our sci-fi horror nerdy genre guy, Mm -hmm. what did you think of this new alien bean like is this the most important thing that peel did to movie making with nope i think 50 no a hundred years in since the alien train first ran at those people and they thought it was oh god wait okay don't even talk about it uh to i think it's hard to come up with new alien life forms and i think it was so smart to be like it's not gonna look it's not gonna have limbs it's gonna look super carbon based and how we assume an alien to look it's gonna fucking freak out your mind because it looks like a giant butthole sheet <laughs> it kind of looks like a jellyfish, though. Yeah, it does it's look like jellyfish tendencies. Jellyfish. And jellyfish are aliens. It kind of yeah. looks like a big eye, right? Yeah. Don't you think that's what they're going for Sauron? on some level? A big eye, maybe a big. Uh, it's definitely apertures, if yeah. that's a verb. Uh, it's watching us all and exploiting and killing us. Um, just like the movies. And <laughs> yeah, I think the design, I hope we'll see kind of ripple throughout and get the vfx people thinking in cool and by ripple out you, you don't mean that like oh we can have new looking aliens you want every alien from here on out to specifically look like the alien from nope exactly just like every alien looked like the xenomorphs for a while now it's gonna just pop up everywhere um, every bad guy should look like something you could buy at rei <laughs> <laughs> it came out of the bag so perfectly, but now I don't I know how to put it back the right in. Way. I hate you, alien. <laughs> and uh, get a, I think it raised let's Kiki go to, Palmer. Yes, it raised from, Kiki Palmer. It raised Kiki Palmer to the pu- public, greater public consciousness. I think is actually the greatest thing that movie did. Yeah, I feel like that she had been like just about to pop for a lot of people maybe through memes and yeah it was i only knew her from i'm sorry to this man i didn't know what she'd acted <laughs> in ever <laughs> some proud family she was in a bunch of like Dis- was it disney or nickelodeon i don't know i think disney she's disney. yeah oh, wow. she's a disney actress yeah but were you disappointed mike that she never looked into the camera and said i'm sorry to this man and winked yes <laughs> and then shot a missile right into the alien <laughs> that's how you can tell kevin feige isn't behind it but Ken, do you think that the Turning Red is a return to Pixar form? Does this feel like upper half at least? I think so. I think it feels like 
that movie that I would have enjoyed as a child but still learned from without realizing I would have learned from and as an adult I enjoy too um and which is like what classically Pixar did for me as a kid like it was one of those movies that my parents never minded putting on because it was like universally appreciated um and it felt like it was a story that like every part of the story like the writers the directors they all wanted to tell this story it had that kind of cohesion that i like it felt authentic and i think that's such a good point yeah um domi the first female director for a pixar movie whose name i will remember later when i look it up but um domi she and yeah i do think that a lot of pixar's problem over the last five years or so is more writers come in and then more writers come in and more writers come in and you lose the sauce, you know? Like, I think that was a problem with Soul is that yeah, Soul that had so many elements. <laughs> it's just, uh, Soul had so much stuff to it and Lightyear had so little and I think that Turning Red fits perfectly in that middle. The perfect amount of stuff. And the perfect <laughs> amount of red pandas, honestly. Mm-hmm. I don't think it hurts red- that the red panda is like among the cutest animals possible and you spend so much of the movie just watching a huge one running around. <laughs> So fun. It also is one that deals with like so many, I guess maybe not Pixar, but like a lot of it has to like when the characters grow, it comes from like some type of death or some tragedy. Like this is just the family healing, like the mother daughter relationship and mother, prior mother as well grandmother to the kid like it's just relationships healing you call like, your grandmother prior right. mother prior mother <laughs> hello prior mother i think i know why you guys are close i have brought i brought you cookies this morning prior grandmother, prior mother. you mean grow figuratively yeah because they literally grow yes yeah. also it looked so good i know these movies just continue to look better and better but man watching it was i won't say distracting but it is just so good looking the way that they've like added depth of field to this and like established like better stuff in the foreground and everything. It really like it just pops off the screen in a way that Pixar. We, I think we used to feel like Pixar movies did. And now we know like, no, wait, this is the good stuff. <laughs> if Disney had said some way, like if they had made an announcement, um, Turning Red is going into theaters and it will not be on Disney Plus for six months like it used to be. Like, that's the way things used to be. I would have absolutely figured out a way to get there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But now I'm just like, I, I, I'll wait forever, you know? Yeah, they can, like they really can't have it both ways. And I think that they're going to have to, and they probably are, like, just going back to the model of releasing things in theaters. Because it also, like, makes it feel bigger and grander if you have to go mm-hmm. somewhere to watch it. I think there's something almost a little anticlimactic about being like, the new Pixar's out. Want to watch it while we eat dinner? Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. On our phones? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> there's like less urgency oh, too. I can pause when I want. I can like hold off on connecting the story all at once, how it's supposed mm-hmm. to be seen. Watch it 20 minutes at a time. Mm-hmm. There's so many studies that say that uh, any movie that is released on streaming will get way more numbers if it was released in theaters before that, before that, long before right. that, because that makes it feel like it's real. I'm excited to watch it. If you release it right to streaming, going back to our first conversation tonight. Uh, oh, this feels like VOD. This feels like uh, straight to DVD. I don't give a shit. And, you know? and releasing in theaters builds excitement, like true word of mouth hits versus like your one weird cousin talks about the thing he saw on VOD last week and you're like, okay, I'll watch that someday, George. I think it's like <laughs> the same concept of like TV shows that release all at once versus weekly. It creates an experience, right. a phenomenon around mm-hmm. it. And like, I don't really have the opportunity to go to theaters very much at all anymore, but when I hear friends mention movies that they're going to theaters for, that ramps up the excitement for me. 
even though I know I'm oh. not going to be able to just run off to a movie theater and watch it. Yeah, here's some advice, everybody. If you want to um, just really appreciate your friends, have a baby, and then live vicariously through their exciting <laughs> adventures, like going to the movie theater, which sounds amazing. Sounds so cool. to- what did it smell Cassie- like? <laughs> uh, with Nope, sorry, I'm going back and forth here, but I think that's sort of the point of the show. Uh, with Nope, like, do you recommend this to people who are scared of horror? Like, do you recommend this movie to everyone? Do you think it works on all the levels, including not being that scary? I do think because I was scared. I was worried that I would be too scared. Like I made I le- I was like, hey, it's nighttime and I'm gonna watch this. Like lights have to be on. There was a moment I had to watch it by myself, and I was like, absolutely not. I'm waiting until somebody will watch this with me. And then it was pretty chill time. Like there's some suspense, but like the fact that the monster is this alien thing. Like I I knew and that it was like a Jordan Peele joint, I was like, I'm going to be learning something. <laughs> like, it was like a PBS special for me. Also, there's this feeling that the monster or alien or UFO is a baby. And that yeah. sort of makes it more adorable the whole yeah, time. Yeah, it's like, just this little guy walking around. But also there was like, um, you're trying to piece together this story because we're going back between like, you know, this monkey attack and all of this. And you're like trying to, like, it just kept you like trying to figure out the story for me. Like... <laughs> I, get, I was just more like, what's going on? Yeah, that's especially the scary you... part, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like the very oh. real thing that, that, that does happen, which is sometimes uh, chimps go ape. Like that's <laughs> what portrayed is scary. The fantastical parts of this movie are way less scary. Like yeah. The, that was like a kind of master stroke because like then it makes you think like, oh, no, wait, I'm in the scary world. <laughs> yeah. But there's a scarier part, though, as a viewer, which is what if I don't get it? You know, like, <laughs> I, like I got through Get Out and I got through Us and I appreciate them, I think, as much as I possibly can. But, like, what if I don't get it? Uh, Greg, we'll go to you. We talked about Everything Everywhere and RRR in the last segment. And are they lumpy? Do they gel? Does this gel? And if not, is it okay? I think it gels a lot more than um, than um, Us did i think us threw a lot at the wall and then it was like yeah kind of connect the dots if you want to and i've been doing that since i saw it and actually i like us a lot more than i did the first time i saw it because i just think about it a lot uh but this one i feel like you can basically connect everything pretty easily i believe personally it, it is about what happens when we turn tragedy into spectacle and when instead of uh reckoning with the past we turn it into something that like we're uncomfortable with it. So we turn it into a joke. We turn it into a show. We turn it into an exhibit. We commodify and that What happens is we are, con- we are then haunted by these things because we have not resolved them correctly. Right. And so yeah. I, I think that like, I think that that's kind of clear in a way. And that that like is perfect for cinema, right? It's perfect for film, you know, birth of a nation, one of like, like the first blockbuster ever. And like, they what they do is they still talk about in the movie they still they're like a black ranch that still talks about film and it's like yeah we're still haunted by the fact that in the history of film there are these seeds of absolute racism and domination and terrible racial violence and we haven't we don't reckon with that instead we just do spectacle upon spectacle upon spectacle and so creating more distractions so we don't have to reckon with it yeah right like if we if we if we shoot off more fireworks, then we don't have to deal with the fireworks that we already shot at. Like watching this movie, the thing I thought about the entire time was Britney Spears taking a golf club to a car, and it was just like it was so funny and so everywhere, so haha. But like also, what are we doing to this person? 
And what are we saying about ourselves as a society? She's Andromeda. Like, like we, we sacrifice people. We literally sacrifice them. We watch them struggle. We stand there and we watch them drown. And we make jokes about it while it happens. Here's a mentally ill person having a breakdown in front of the world and saying, somebody protect me. Somebody save me. And what do we do? We go on late night shows and make fun of her while she's in the absolute throes of that. Like, it's so cruel and awful. Oh, I fully think that uh, 10, 20, 30 years from now, Jay Leno will be history. He's a monster, monster. dude. <laughs> like, the, the, like, the amount of money he made on people's trauma is just insane. Yeah, did you watch the Monica Lewinsky FX show? Holy shit, dude. This young girl <laughs> that was absolutely abused by everybody that, came, that was around her, including the top comedians of the day, who treated her like a joke while she was, again, like kind of drowning in front of everybody. All right, we have to go to it. Um, Mac and Caitlin, you're going to sit this out because you didn't watch Nope. So, Mike, we'll go to you. I love Turning Red, mostly because it made you so mad. <laughs> uh, you, should, should you find different reasons for doing things? No, <laughs> it's, you, I've That's been friendship. driven by spite my entire <laughs> life. Why would I change now? Uh, yeah, I, I think it, it's it's so well done. It's so well put together. It, it harkened back to the the olden days of Pixar, like everybody said. But Jordan Peele makes movies that don't get out of your craw, and I can't. Yeah. A year later, I can't stop chewing on it, and that feels so rare these days. And so, yeah, my vote has to go to Nope. Cassie. This is just an insane matchup. I don't know if anybody has ever talked about Turning Red versus Nope. Um, <laughs> it's just wild that these are against each other. Turning Red is a great Pixar film, but it's against Nope. I'm going to vote for Nope. Greg? Yeah, I mean, exactly what Mike said. Like, I go, I get excited about movies when I have to think about them, chew on them, process them. And that's, you see, you have to do that with, with so many of his movies. And um, Turning Red is beautiful and wonderful. It's not a slam dunk, but. It's definitely nope. As much as we love them, everyone's like, Jordan Peele, please don't make a Marvel movie, right? Like, mm -hmm. just so we can keep thinking about whatever you make. Uh, it, I mean, same with Greta Gerwig. Everyone was scared when she made a Barbie movie. And I think we're all like, okay. <laughs> Give it <laughs> what to are you going to make us think so. about? Yeah. Uh, nope, definitely takes it down. When we come back, we are going to get to two. These are the two quietest movies of the bracket. Stay tuned for that. Our second seed is The Banshees of Inishirin, Martin McDonough's follow-up to one of the dumbest movies that ever won Best Picture, which is saying something. For this one, he went and grabbed the stars of his first film, In Bruges, and got back to basics. Set on an island next to Ireland, where there isn't a war, but you're instead the audience to a war, two best friends have a bit of a breakup. What starts as a cute little story about men being dumb elevates to a classic, timeless Irish fable, complete with morals, consequences, and even a banshee. It's going up against the best in a series of movies where filmmakers make films about their childhoods and how much they love movies, one of which won this award five years ago. This one, though, is directed by King Spielberg. The Fablemans tells the story of Sammy, a thinly-veiled Spielberg analog who falls in love with movie making, moving from narratives with his friends to documentaries that show more truth than he ever thought they would. Tasty Mac, I ask you this. Was it Sammy, or was it Martin McDonough's Irish Fable? That made them the better fable man. <laughs> Go ahead. We can, you, can, you can react it's, to that for a little bit. Just, okay. Yeah, hold it. Um, you know, there is there's so much to uncover about these. What I will say in regards to 
fables and like the work it's doing the banshees of inishirin i felt like had a little bit more control of its narrative in its ability to kind of get that message across so i think that's the fable uh that i took away uh the one that was like the stronger um yeah i I think it just it had a little bit more control and it made it a better fable let's start with banshees then um i don't know what you guys expected when you walked into this i assume that everyone saw this in theaters yes <laughs> yeah, absolutely. for sure, for sure. I watched yeah, 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 it on yeah. my laptop, but I was in a theater. <laughs> <laughs> while doing what, Greg? Uh, while attending uh, my nephew's high school play. Um, I forgot <laughs> headphones, and they were not cool. <laughs> well, luckily, the play was Banshee's Finishing, so you just synced it up, and yeah, it was fun. <laughs> play, okay, go. Um, I don't know what you guys thought about this, but I thought it would be a uh, dark, rousing, rated R comedic good time caitlin what was your experience instead oh my god okay so yeah i also came in and i thought i was like banshees of insurance that sounds scary this is gonna be a scary ass movie Ooh. i i put this off as long as i could because i was like i don't like the spooky stuff I turned it on <laughs> and these two guys are just like you don't want to be my friend anymore <laughs> what the fuck <laughs> but i want you to be my friend just two men just trying to like one guy wants to have a friend, and then another guy is like, no, I need to have art instead. And then there's a donkey. And What is, Caitlin, let me ask you this. What is more um, me and Mike Fuck and our, exp- our relationship together? <laughs> is it RRR, which I think is close, or is it Banshees, where I just want to be left alone? This was my 10 you know minutes what? in. I was like, this is my nightmare. Your older, redheaded, talented no. friend, for no reason, is like, we're done. Yes, <laughs> No, Don't come my, over to my house anymore. <laughs> I was distraught. For reals, like I was like, I, I feel for this guy because it's like, you, I don't know, having anxiety or just being a person, just feeling like one of your friends just actually doesn't like you or doesn't want to be your friend anymore. It's like, that's heartbreaking. That's yeah, a I literal a little crazy too. I, may, I might burn down a house too, but save a dog, you know? And then you watch him flourish. That's the other thing. Like he mm-hmm. says to you basically like, I think you are holding me back. Mm-hmm. And then you watch as he absolutely proves that to be true. As he writes a rousing, mm-hmm. wonderful song, yeah. starts like a little music program all on his own. He's smiling. Wait, but I think... I think one of the reviews of the song is that's mid. That's kind of stupid, but that is from Colin Farrell. Yeah. So I don't know if that counts. <laughs> Seems that's suspect. It's not as uh, cool as a donkey, but whatever. But yeah, like uh, pile of shite. It's uh, as dudes, you know, you like you have to to come to the conclusion that this dude has ruined your life. I think it's sort of impressive, you know, like what you do from there is up to you. But then you have to remain a man. So if I say I'm going to chop off my fingers, <laughs> I'm going to chop off my fingers. Well, that's what it becomes like this ultimate contest of wills because mm-hmm. he says, leave me alone. And his friend says, I will not. Or he can't like remember to. <laughs> in between those two things. And then he's like, OK, well, then I'll just do something extreme. Like either one of them could have kind of backed out at any right. moment. And that's why the background of. Uh, Ireland every once in a while just absolutely exploding off in the distance and everyone stopping and looking at it. I mean, that's so you could argue maybe it's heavy handed at times, but I think it's a pretty good like backdrop for what's going on in this. It's just two sides that will absolutely not back down, even if it hurts them to not back mm-hmm. down. Like no compromise. Don't give an inch ever. And then we do have to talk about uh, Carrie Conran, who also from Rome, just like the uh, English. Just like Titus from RRR. Yeah. Um, as this person who's like, fuck, men are dumb, but I have to go protect my brother and then go in to talk to Brendan Gleason and be like, uh, just, man, just let him go. Like, yeah. you know, like first, uh, 
can you please be friends with my brother? Which, what yeah. an embarrassing thing to, do, <laughs> to say to someone. A very older sister thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then when that doesn't work, just like talking to her little brother saying like, stop, please stop doing this. You know, like she is the third. It's, it's an embruised reunitement, but she is absolutely yeah, the third. She's amazing in it. And to be able to steal the focus from these two powerhouses who... Brendan Gleeson has always known he's weird, but Colin Farrell, I love that. For 20 years, he's like, I'm a normal actor. And now he's like, I'm a yes. fucking weirdo and I embrace it. I don't care how handsome I am. And my eyebrows are doing his this. His eyebrows just did all the work yeah. for this film. Big old caterpillars doing all the work. But, but even in things that he's in that are kind of mid themselves, he's really good in them. Yeah. Uh, the Batman? Yeah, the Batman. Uh, Daredevil? That, that lobster movie. The lobster is uh, that lobster? Yeah, it was so weird, but but he's really good in it. No, I, I do think that he is one of our best actors. Wait, did this ever jump too far for you guys? Were you like, oh, this is not making my sus- uh, making me suspend my disbelief in a correct way, or were you just on the ride of this? No, it's a fable, it's a fable, it's a fable. And when the the fingers get a throw. <laughs> Where you just like, no, this is how these stories work. It's it's how these stories work, and I, I think it it helps that I'm a dummy, and so I'm like, okay, it's Ireland, but not Ireland. They're spelling it wrong. They're saying it wrong. Uh, <laughs> and I have no idea what decade this is. I, I was like, is it just like this in modern days until a calendar shows up and said it's 1923? I'm a moron. But like that, it, it helped give it a timeless feel, uh, and that the cast of characters – like who they support and when felt very real because whoever they're talking to then they're like yeah i mean you're right and then they leave and the other guy comes up they're like well i need you to know that I, you're right uh but it, it feels like it, it ratchets it up but so by the time the old lady is like wait is she the banshee like you're fully bought in <laughs> wait when the old lady says am i the banshee here? when just a look to your left look to your right if you don't see any banshees <laughs> you're, you're the banshee <laughs> When just a black shape starts haunting certain scenes in the background, like, and and because dudes suck and are stubborn, and right, Siobhan really points ultimately that, out. that is the thing. <laughs> Cassie, it's time to reckon with um, Esteban Spielberg's American <laughs> cousin. Did Fablemans as a story, as a uh, deep dive into a director that you don't care about? Correct. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I was just making sure. Uh, as As the director of hook and always um is this someone is this still a story that you still connected to in some way no (laughs) what i I, I was watching it and i was like this is dumb you have no heart it ended and i was like this is pointless And that's my take on the Fablements. Christ (laughs) Almighty, Ryan. (laughs) The whole like when he goes to like high school and like the girl is dating him and like tries to convert him to Christ. Yes. And like (laughs) I would say one of the most farcical comedic scenes of the year (laughs) of just this horny fucking girl who's gonna get down with this Jewish kid. Because he reminds her of Jesus. Like, right? Yeah, that's yes. pretty heavily hinted. That's why that she wants to make out. Oh, no. Yeah. I'm uh, not saying that. That part's very funny. This movie is amazing. This is, a, to quote the great Harry Styles, this movie feels like a movie. <laughs> it, and it also I just agree. builds out the, like, what it takes to make a movie. I had so much fun watching it, just seeing how creative he got to advance Learning his craft. It. Yeah. Like, that was just a whole element of the movie besides all the family drama that was just so fun to watch. Do you know what you need is you need cheese. For reservation dogs no. to yeah. be one of your <laughs> yeah. actors in every single movie. 
Also, I think that probably this movie hits for for uh, the movie of the year, gents. The monkey. Because uh, at the end of the movie, he essentially goes to heaven and he meets John Ford. <laughs> yeah. And John Ford movie is God. played by David Lynch. <laughs> like, oh my God, get out of town. And then the, the like nod to their conversation where he says, you know, that you have to have the horizon be up or the horizon down. And then it shifts it at the end. And then the final shot is not staged that way. So it suddenly drops into the camera, like drops down. And then, then the horizon is up in the top. Dude, if you weren't I, convinced by then, I don't I don't know what to tell you. I don't know. What to I tell can't you. think of a, <laughs> I, I can't think of a single time where I was so sad that I was watching this at home and not in theaters yeah. because that was the scene where our entire audience would have in my head stood up <laughs> and just like thrown flowers at the screen <laughs> and and to like i mean spielberg has perfected the coming of age story but to also like hint at it, we we know he has trouble with pants right the, the scene that hit me the hardest was the judd hirsch and uh sammy fableman scene where like it got me the most emotional when he's just like if you want to be creative you're going to hurt everybody in your life and you're gonna like it and you're gonna keep doing it it's like oh fuck you, you old yeah. crazy man. <laughs> which, it, which is not just me as Steven Spielberg talking to my parents, but also my children, yes. my wife. Like, <laughs> this is everything that, like, I have to do this stuff, and I'm sorry that I've ruined your life because of I it. I love this more than I love you. Here's the movie I made for you about that. And also, the, things the, that I, the things I make my stories out of are, are real lives. Like, that I go and I grab from the things that happen to me, and I just rip that from you, and I recontextualize it. And when you see it, you realize I'm fucking talking about <laughs> you. And, like, it's, that must be so humiliating and upsetting. And that the artist says, yeah, I make that choice. I'm going to do that because that's the only real thing I can do. I can see how dumb it is for uh, him to watch on a movie reel, a movieola, how the kid from Freaks and Geeks movie-ola. is hooking up with the kid from Dawson's Creek, and one of them is his mother, and he, <laughs> all of the evidence had been there for years, right? and he didn't see it until he was editing and watching it on film, and I can see how dumb that sounds, but to watch him step back from his editing machine and like like come to terms with what he just saw in the movies. The thing that o- the only brings the truth is the movies. God damn it. And Jeff, are you serious <laughs> right again now? And again. Are you not, are you not about to cry right now? <laughs> I, I didn't watch this with Cassie, so I didn't know her take on it. And so I started watching it. She walked in halfway through and I was like, this movie is bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Like, I also really didn't like it. It just didn't resonate with me. It just seemed like a story of privilege in a way because he is a person who came. A he, lot of privilege. He had a, a lot, lot of, of like, watch how great I am. It's bullshit. From the <laughs> moment to work at it, just because he had privilege well, and opportunities no. doesn't mean that he like wasn't. Yeah, he had to make films. He yeah. should. He had to film shit. He had, that he had, he could we go are on a scouts. podcast <laughs> talking about how great and hard yeah. it is to make great movies. And you're talking shit on the craft of making movies. That's why fuck? I can't judge it. What about anti-Semitism? He had to deal with a lot of anti-Semitism. He got uh, he got his dick sucked for that. Okay. <laughs> Point taken. He was like, "Hey, I gotta put this in the film. Me <laughs> get my dick sucked." Is your mouth called the film? Because I gotta put this in the film. That's, literally, it it did feel like just a dick sucking of Steven Spielberg. Yeah, me. hell yeah. yeah. Okay. And some people, <laughs> some people enjoyed that more than others. Cassie and I don't like the. Dick he sucking. removed a rib to make this movie. Yeah. <laughs> he should have just called it the rib instead of the family. 
I do. I like. I was wondering if and and since you didn't like it, maybe you can tell me. Was the it sometimes I thought it leaned on the fable part of Fableman a little bit hard sometimes and kind of like and I think this is just Spielberg's natural style, but sometimes it seems like he he wants to shy away from realism and especially early in the movie, the way they maybe it's because he's a he's showing himself as a kid so maybe it has like a less mature tone early on on purpose, but like it felt almost like a storybook the way some of the lines were delivered early in the movie. And I don't know if I settled into that or if the movie evolves a little bit in tone, but is that part of what might've turned you off to it a little bit? Was that it wasn't very realistic sometimes? Uh, I was, I mean, I'm fine with it being unrealistic, but I think at the very beginning, like him seeing the train scene and him having to reenact it, like that seems very much like a child, but the fact that he's afraid to go to the movies, which I've never even heard of. He's a kid who's afraid to go to the movies. (laughs) And then the thing that they show on the screen is a train coming coming at the thing. Come on, dude. I'm rooting and hollering. I'm clapping my hands. I'm rooting and hollering. That part, I was fine with it up till there. And then it just started getting, it just started getting absurd in a way that i didn't feel like i could jump yeah. into and i kept being taken out of the film and it just didn't seem like it worked what, for what me and maybe it's just uh having a fucking like a what's it called video what are they camera camera those are having a camera camera i know but he his family had a camera and that he could borrow and it was like back in a time when that was like something that was super expensive so i was like how and then you realize his, his family's wealthy, but I don't know. Well, yeah, it just I mean, really brought that, me that out is, of it. That's why Spielberg blew up, that Bill Gates blew up to create Microsoft because he was the right age and happened to have a computer at home. So, I mean, that's yeah. the, the absurdity is the thing that's real. Yeah. I, <laughs> I think I just didn't like it. And then it just like, it was like, ew. I thought and then I think the, it just ruined it for me. I saw, I thought some <laughs> of the lines and some of the deliveries, you know, when you get Paul Dano, like he sometimes he has an odd tone to his acting, but I think that he, I think Spielberg was really leaning into that. That's what he was trying to get out of them. But there were times where there was like wooden dialogue or, you know, like that's the magic the mom of the movie, was fine. Sammy. I, I think the dad felt like a puppet. The like, dad was weird. The mom was fine. She was the most quirky and I felt fine with how her character was. As far as like uh, my feelings on amount of talent, I would say that Paul Dano and Michelle Williams at this point have always been polar opposites for me. And I think they totally flipped in this movie. I thought I kept seeing Michelle Williams trying to FYC you know, like trying to get that Oscar nom. And Paul Dano, I thought, was amazing. This is the best role that he has ever had, Yeah, I think. Of- I agree. I think he was he was great. And the, the way uh, Mitzi hides it behind her, her piano, like she's kind of sublimated herself. Paul Dano throws himself in the work. They all interact with the world and with family through something. And that's why Sammy does it the most obviously with the camera. I can't actually deal with the world. Here's a camera between me and the rest of the world. And that's how I'll go to things that I can't normally go to, like Senior Ditch Day. Uh, wow. The fact that this is a, a battle between dorky dudes and uh, girls is shocking. Did you guys also see <laughs> in the shot? science shop- and art together because that's what film is, <laughs> science and art together. Did you guys see the <laughs> shot where Paul Dano, uh, Sammy, tells Paul Dano, his father, about how he's accepted. He got like this internship or whatever, and Paul Dano stands up, and there's a light on him, and it's Paul Dano reacting, but on the wall, his shadow is Mitzi's shadow. Ooh, damn. Filmmaking! <laughs> Did you... Okay. Tell me, because I don't know. The whole setting the table with all the plastic stuff and using everything that's plastic and then throwing it away, was that a thing that like... her mo- His mom was a little... uh. 
I know she's a little eccentric. Yeah. But like, is did no people, people did that. Do that? Yeah, that was like that was one of the selling points of all that disposable stuff early on. Was that? Yeah. And some well, people used it that way. Like now we would be like. We're a little shocked by that because it's so wasteful. But that yeah. was like one of the major selling points is that you could just grab the tablecloth and then throw away all the, your old dishes. Didn't it also wow. feel like a bit of rebellion against the housewife? Like she mm-hmm. wanted to be this artist. Yes. Yeah. She didn't. So it was like that rebellion almost. Like right. That. That's that's why the mother-in-law rolled her eyes so hard at it. It was not yeah. she in the 40s or 50s. She wasn't like, look how wasteful they're being. Wasteful. <laughs> she, she's just like, a real wife would be doing the dishes all night. What are you talking about? Which is something that uh, anybody... Like we can't relate to to have a mother-in-law that would do that. Like, that's <laughs> plus boys like, do the dishes in my experience. So, like Greg, is that on the roof with a BB gun, throwing them up in the air? <laughs> yeah, right. the, same, the dishes the are dishes. done. <laughs> Guys, I want to do full shows on both these movies, but unfortunately, it's time to go. Oh man, Cassie. Yeah, you know what I'm going for, Banshees. <laughs> That's crazy, though. That I mean, yeah. that you would be so that into Banshees means that you hate the Fablemans. <laughs> Mike, where are we going? They, they, I think this is truly the hardest battle. These these are the two movies that I don't think are going to get out of my brain <laughs> for years. Do you hear these balloons <laughs> getting air let out of them over here? <laughs> um, I, I love Martin McDonough when he's not a cheese dick. In this movie, he was not at all. And Spielberg, this is the best he's been in 20 years. Uh and he is the fucking master whisperer at kids. This kid is a revelation. Little Sammy That's Fableman weird. is That's amazing. That's not a good thing to say. Uh, <laughs> child actors. Like getting child act- good performance out of child actors. Uh, yeah, mine's going to be, uh, it's the Fablemans. It's it's crazy. Uh, McKenna, where are we going? I, I, I'm with Mike. I think this is like the toughest battle for me. This is these were my two. If you had described the Banshees of Sharon to me, I would have been like, that sounds like the dullest movie ever. Like, what the hell would I want to watch that? And then watching it, I was like, don't bother me. I am so into this. <laughs> um, but I, I did love the Fablemans as well. My vote is going to go with Banshees. I think it's just a little tighter. I think it uses time a little more intelligently. And it, it there's so much unsaid that works to develop the story. Whereas the Fablemans felt a little overstated in some areas so banshees i think that's really well put uh caitlin i'm going for the fucking donkey <laughs> oh we didn't talk about jenny at all yeah, yeah dude oh, my heart the broke. Hero. oh my gosh i'm not over it okay but, but like check off donkey right yeah. once yeah. we knew yeah. once the movie started we were like oh this, this bitch gonna die and that was his last true piece of hope this is his last friend so like she had yeah. to go but still so, yeah. no chance Save that dog, but I'm going to yeah. burn your fucking house down. <laughs> it's fucking grand. I'm going to burn your house in the grand. <laughs> All right. So that's Caitlin, your banshees? Yeah. The fucking donkey. Big. Greg? Oh, it's so hard because uh, Cassie said it was like privilege nonsense. Uh, so that's probably. Hey, <laughs> I'm. I'm a dummy though, and you guys like movies. So it's from two different dance standpoints. was privileged. Like, I, didn't, I couldn't afford as a kid to have. A donkey? Fresh fingers thrown at <laughs> my door every they, morning. They work until two, if that, every day, and then go drink at the pub. Yeah. What's more privileged? I was so confused. I was like, are they actually working? I was like, it's a different, it's a different, it's a different country. Time. They probably don't have to work in that country. <laughs> Colin Farrell, in the, in the beginning of the movie, Colin Farrell's like, hey, uh, it's 2 p.m. We're going to go to the pub. And Brendan Gleeson's like, nah. And Colin Farrell's like, what? <laughs> what the fuck? What do you mean, no? You can't just say no. <laughs> 
but, the um, I, th- I think, and I think even maybe the objective answer is the Banshees of Inisherin. But I have to say, for me, I love Spielberg so much. And this was not just a movie about him growing up. It's also, like, you can look at almost every line as being some some line about movies or about the way audiences receive movies or about what the power of film can do. And I don't know that I loved it every moment when I was watching it, The Fablemans, but I've thought about it a lot since then. It was written also, it's co-written by Tony Kushner, which is, that's that's pretty impressive. That's um, Lincoln-level impressive. And so I think, yeah, I think I'm going to go with The Fablemans. The Vampire Killer? <laughs> <laughs> Christ. <laughs> Christo. <laughs> and I have two votes here. Oh, my God. You oh my God. So... Uh, the Fablemans goes to the final four. Oh, Woo! damn. Woo! God damn it. Uh, <laughs> You're going to do Jenny like that? She already <laughs> did. She already did. Uh, Banshees is in my top four movies of the year. It's just this was a matchup that was really hard. Fablemans moves on. And when we come back, uh, guys, it's about to get serious. It's, it's about to get Tar real. Tar versus right, Top Gun. <laughs> it's about to get real. When we come back. Hey, guys, thank you so much for listening so far. And let me just tell you that everything ahead of this commercial is much better than what came before it. That's my guarantee. While I have you here, let me tell you about a website. It's called yourpopfilter.com. And it's everything you need that's related to Pop Filter. Everything Mike, everything Ryan, everything Greg, everything Cassie, everything is there at yourpopfilter.com. While you're there, go to yourpopfilter.com slash Amazon. Make that your new Amazon bookmark and do your shopping from there. That way, we get a little piece of the action, and Amazon doesn't. Make sure you're also listening to everything that Pop Filter has to offer, which includes the Superhero Show Show, a podcast that covers every single TV show that's based on a comic book or comic book property, and Movie of the Year, where we sit down and try and figure out what is the single greatest movie of any given year. That's Superhero Show Show. That's Movie of the Year. And that's yourpopfilter.com. Rate, subscribe, review, bye! In our next matchup, we have a movie about a real-life maverick trying to take charge of their life. Despite multiple setbacks and potentially being a little over the hill, our hero triumphs flying through the air and killing every villain in their path. (laughs) Anyone who comes into contact with them can do nothing but whisper their name, Lydia Tar. (laughs) The other movie is Top Gun Maverick. Taste Buds... And this is going to be tasty, Cassie. Uh, The final battle of the first round gives us the number one movie of the year, bringing movie theaters back to life. The other movie is Top Gun Maverick. Tasty Cassie, (laughs) I ask you this. Which movie did society need more? A meditative nightmare slide into hell, showing us that the absolute power that corrupts absolutely can, if not will, eventually take its soul. Or Tom Cruise in plane planes going near. Pew, 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 pew. (laughs) Listen, these days, there's so many movies that will teach you something, make you reflect, let you grow. Too Um, woke? Are you saying Hollywood is too woke? It's too woke. Sometimes you just want to watch big, expensive planes fly and things get blown (laughs) up. And um, Top Gun was here for us. It saved us. And we should all respect it. I would like to call for a slam dunk this round. (laughs) We all know. If somebody says slam dunk, nobody's allowed to talk. We all now have to go straight to a vote. We have to vote. (laughs) So the timer is over. We're just going to be done. Um, I would like to talk about Tar, though, real quick. I guess. I'll allow a quick moment for Tar. (laughs) (laughs) Say goodbye Uh, to your movie, boys. (laughs) Actually, you know what, Greg? I'm going to go to you because you know the matchup here. It's uh, Tar, Gun, Maverlydia. Did you... 
were you a little surprised that Top Gun got this much credit for being the greatest movie of all time? Um, not really, actually. My dad kept saying to me, like, Mary, here, this is Top Gun, huh? Who even wants to see that? When I was a kid, uh, there was, like, one movie, and it was Top Gun. Um, <laughs> Top Gun taught me about sex. It taught me about singing in a bar. Uh, it taught me about how planes fly. Nobody knows. Um, and so <laughs> the idea that there would be a sequel years later, uh, like, I was excited. And so I expected it to be very good. And it's very good for what it is. Like, it, it is, it's absolutely clearing the bar that it sets for itself. I would say, I would argue, though, that uh, Tar sets a little bit of a higher bar and then uh, sails the over that as well. Higher There's because a... Maverick flies into the stratosphere yeah. there, Greg. And, yeah, do you remember that? And the danger zone. There is, um, <laughs> when you are watching Top Gun Maverick, you are so alive in that moment, and so is the movie. When you walk out of Tar, at first you're kind of like, what the fuck? And then it lives in you in such a way that, like, you keep going back to it. You keep trying to, like, parse it. You keep trying to figure it out. It's almost like the European movies that we've never heard of that we talk about on Movie of the Year every <laughs> season. Like, it, it doesn't try to hold your hand. It doesn't, like, interpret itself for you. It lets itself live in you. And then that's where you, like, have that union of yourself and a movie. And it feels like something extra, something special, something... Like, that's kind of unique to you because you walk with it for a while. And I just think that, like, in some ways, Top Gun doesn't do that. Let's ah. go to our own resident, Lydia Tarr. McKenna, did you see, think that it was, like, uh, uh, better than your average blockbuster? I, so, and I'm going to break Cassie's heart here. I didn't, and I think my problem is huh? I, I liked did this movie. It? But it was hyped up a little too much for me. By the time I finally sat down and watched it, I had already heard so much about how it. I missed the like watching where it connected all of humanity. I I came <laughs> on that too late, and so then I just saw clips and clips of um, Miles Teller dancing, and then realized it was point five seconds of the film, and the rest of it was just. Oh, so that's all you want from a movie? Yes. Is Miles Teller so, dancing. dancing, a movie about his abs uh, <laughs> undulating, and it was good. It had a lot of action. It felt uneven to me. I couldn't tell if they really wanted to tell Maverick's like redemption story or his getting back into like having a career story. Like they, they didn't know what it they wanted were to tell. <laughs> how about both? Yes. How about watch these planes? It, it was a little torn on. Is he gonna relive his glory days? Is gonna is he gonna like fix his relationship with Goose's son? Is he gonna finally forgive himself? Is he gonna pursue a romance? Like it was just a little too. Check all the boxes. Absolutely, he's gonna do it all. <laughs> Did he though? It's, Did, it's it? Did it do yeah. it all? <laughs> Books. I came in, I saw Top Gun Maverick, and I think it's recorded on one of our episodes how I we had not watched it yet, and it was one of those where I was like, I don't want to watch this. This looks dumb. I never saw Top Gun, the original one. And I was like, this just sounds like a dumb, plain movie. And then I came in and watched this movie and walked out of the Milky Movie Theater, a changed person. Like Greg <laughs> says, it just made me think about planes so much. <laughs> it sticks and, with you. And then like the people who are in the planes and how do these boats work? Like That's fucking wild. That, like, Why are planes, they in the air? Like, like planes can land on boats like planes and boats yeah. that's the and navy these planes are in the navy? to catch them yeah it just it blew my mind the relationships tom cruise he did that what um so to greg's point you know this yes, is a, i this thought is about a it movie, a lot not a documentary <laughs> <laughs> right? 
It's very true. And it doesn't matter. I thought about it, and Greg says that's what happens with movies, and they <laughs> happen to me. Greg can say that's what happens with movies. Now, Caitlin, I'm so I'm so excited to have you here yeah, because mm-hmm. uh, this is a first time I think for the uh, any pop filter podcast. Yeah. Um, we're talking to somebody who owns the DVD version. Oh no. Of I I own the virtual DVD version. Oh but, yeah. Does it have uh, special features? It does. Indeed. Did you watch them all? Yes, I did. Okay, tell <laughs> us about what you learned about Top Gun Maverick. Um. Tom Cruise, people aren't just able to dry, like fly these F-15s, is that what they are? These big old planes. They're not able to like just launch off of these carriers. But Tom Cruise was. He was able to get like a special license and a certification in order to literally launch this plane off of this big boat and like go in the air. And like only people who have all the certification do it. But no, Top Cruise. Tom Cruise did do that. You almost called Tom Cruise Top Gun. (laughs) I almost almost (laughs) called him the Top Gun. Tom Cruise came out of Top Gun 1 and he was like, I'm going to make my own fucking flight school so eventually I can make my own pilots and put them in a fucking film. I'm going to turn actors into pilots. Yes. Cassie and Caitlin, you guys have uh, already told us that... Spielberg is somebody you don't know about and also hate, <laughs> which just, is weird. I, I was care. never a Tom Cruise fan either. You were not a Tom Cruise no, person? No, I still don't think I'm like a Tom Cruise person, but like to- Top Gun Maverick like changed. Like I like him for that moment, and <laughs> I like that. I saw a lot of Scientology pamphlets in your backseat. <laughs> I'm, I'm so glad you brought it up. I'd like to talk to you about something. Uh, your it's, energy it's crazy is just feeling right right now. <laughs> not Tom Cruise person you say for how clear you are and that you've never seen a couch you don't jump on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a Tom Cruise at an Oprah show like fan. It was nice That's to see a movie where Tom Cruise is on the inside of a plane. <laughs> that he wasn't trying to kill himself yeah. in this one. <laughs> um, Great movie, I guess. It, it was fine. It was uh, it was a really good Fast and Furious movie. Yeah. Um, but we do have to get to one of the movies of the year, uh, which is Tar. I, I, I watch a lot of movies. It's uh, hard for me to describe the experience of seeing Tar for the first time and what it did to me. Um, this isn't. Uh, this is a, an odd matchup in that they're very different movies, but similar in the way that like you are forever changed after you go through what this movie puts you through. Right, Mike? Yes, uh, I think watching Kate Blanchett is awe inspiring. She she's one of the best living actors, and it's crazy she's not talked about even more. Um, can a movie? Be about a pretentious character without itself being pretentious. I don't it, know if that means how I liked this movie or not, but it. I don't think so. <laughs> I, I think maybe it could have been. I don't think that's what we're dealing <laughs> with no. here, though. I think this movie is the most pretentious movie. You know, of the year, I had sure. to have my dictionary app open. I was like, garrulous. What the fuck? I thought I knew words. <laughs> uh, and it's been Tar. Like, Wait. I looked up tar. This person is not made of tar at all. They <laughs> throw you in with just having like an NPR style. A half an hour NPR style interview, and you're like, "This is what you're gonna get." Strap in, and then watching her. Wait, nav- hold on, Mike. There's something before that. Before the 15 minute non broken interview, we get all of the end credits played. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Old school. That's how you know you're seeing a real film. That's how I knew I was in for an experience. I was like, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh no. no. Did you fast forward, Cassie? Uh, fuck yeah, I did. <laughs> she does not respect best boys nor grips. <laughs> I, there I, are several long shots in this movie, right? Like, or scenes that are done in, in essentially one take. Yeah. But, also I mean, the classroom scene that way. Yes, as pretentious it, as it is, like, it's not... Go ahead, Mike, about the classroom uh, scene. The, the classroom scene w- was... Well, why, like, yes, she is pretentious, but that's when it's like, the movie's not, and that's when, for me, it started to be like, 
okay, I think I know how the movie feels about Lydia. Like, and it starts to solidify a little. And it also made me think this is the the intellectual cousin of like the very physical whiplash. Uh, right. Where that movie, where it's like, how far do you push to become the best? Which and stars Rooster. Is that your choice, <laughs> or dance? is it this domineering genius who forces you to go through things and ruins your life? And uh, yet, I, I think that the classroom scene is like up there with, uh, hey, buddy, I'm going to put you on my shoulders because your legs are broken, and I'm going to run around like as a set piece because... Right. What else do you need to see about this movie? Like, she's going around with all the confidence where you think that you're like, God damn, she's brilliant. And she is. But, like, also the camera lingers on her customers. Yes. Like, barely, not even students, her customers who were like, fuck this shit, dude. They, like, fuck this. What, what a great piece of acting, uh, not by Blanchett in that scene, is the kid whose face is smiling to try to be like, hey, Predator, don't hurt me. But his leg is going a million miles an hour. Right. And I was like... And you can just see the he's so bundled and tight, and yeah. It's... And she walks around the classroom like she's uh, my cousin Vinny in the courtroom. I'm <laughs> like, huh? Look, do you see what I did? And all of her students are like, yes, we did. I don't think we're having the same reaction that you think that we should, but yes, we saw it. I, I think it's pretty genius to cast Blanchette. One, everybody should cast her in everything, but as I, it's a post Me Too movement movie, and to have it be. The woman in power starts talking about the, the power dynamics. Where I do think if this was a dude, if Brian Cranston played Lionel Tar, uh, people would be like, we get it. Dudes are bad. Fuck you. And I think this movie comes in sideways and forces you to sit with it and how society deals and does not deal with gross predators. Also, Is the power, were, not the I'd, gender. If it were a dude, um, then he would already like be back to having his special on Netflix. Like, <laughs> the fact that she is punished in a permanent way it's like I, I think that she ends up losing the argument in the movie because I think there is something gendered to the amount of like damage that, that people she turn takes. on her yeah yeah for for what she's done I, I think that like I don't know you're left I guess rather than weigh in one way or the other I think you're left in this movie wondering like how much do how problematic is she because she's just someone in power or how much are we upset by what she's doing because She's a woman, and she and that character would be the first one to say it doesn't factor into that. Mm-hmm. But it's a big question mark, I think, that you're left with to try to put together on your own. And it's also, I think, the first thing, movie or album or whatever, of the Me Too movement to be like, how much are you willing to put up with to get the genius, right? Like, how much are you, like, they are just creating greatness. So they could be a little bad, right? Like, are we hierarching the amount of bullshit that people are allowed to get through because of what they mean to us or because of how creative they are and then sit with that thought sit with that thought that like oh you're letting more people who are more talented or creative get away with more because you've liked them more Mm -hmm. and not like them because like people fawn over her but i don't know if anybody's like even her wife is comfortable hanging out there but like they know she's a shitty boss and treats her assistant like shit and leads her around like the hey you might get this assistant position if you live with me 24 7 do whatever i say people know that and they're fine with that they know she bullies other uh conductors who like he's a slimeball in his own way but just asks for advice and gets people know that she's a prick and they're like i mean come on we're all gonna be a prick sometimes right but like it's like what yeah? What do you let people get away with, and what do you not? And then also going to all, through all the genres, like we've talked about with so many of these movies. There's a part where this is this is a horror movie, you yeah. know? Like it, it. There's a part where it's a whodunit where she's like running around through a shitty apartment building, being like, "Is uh, is somebody literally out to get me?" It's a 
mystery. Am I actually being haunted? Like, am I haunted? Is by that what wolf I've... real? <laughs> yeah. Like, am I haunted by what I've done, or like, is there actually a ghost mm-hmm. in my house? Oh yeah, that that fuck that. Don't don't want to think about. It. I hate when non-ghost movies ha- start hinting at that shit. That fucks me <laughs> up, man. <laughs> Do you know what my favorite non-ghost movie is? My life, Mike. And the fact that I have ghosts around me is crazy. Cassie, let me ask you this before we go to a vote. What does the, is this a dream better? Because there's a lot of people that said that Tar died at that shitty apartment building and that she never ran and knocked over that conductor. Like that, that would uh, never It's hard to believe that somebody would run and bump into somebody else. <laughs> and then there's the Maverick clearly died in the first 12 minutes of Top Gun. And the rest is a Tom Cruise slash Pete maverick dream <laughs> both are very in my mind both very real but neither have died i i don't yeah. nobody ever um, dies all you don't believe movies are dreams like every single movie is a dream i think that it's weird in the conversation. oh this is coming from the person that lydia Ta- believes that lydia tar is a real ass person well okay you can tell by the staging <laughs> of the movie lydia tar is a real person ryan you can tell by the way it's made that she's real like i don't i don't know what else to tell you didn't you just hear that leonard cohen's estate said that uh, she did indeed study un- under him like <laughs> Uh, she's a real person. I don't know what else you need to know that she's a real person. She did the music for Monster Hunter. That's a real game. Like, I, what are you talking about? NPR. That's a real. Like, you could turn on your radio right now and hear it. I don't, I don't even know where. So, we're Gar, are you, uh, Greg, are you the first on the list for Tar on Tar paperback edition coming to your house? <laughs> tar on Tar. <laughs> I am. <laughs> Cassie, it's time to vote. Tar or Top Gun? Listen, I, t- Tar. Beautiful movie. A did lot. Did you actually to- like it? I did. I did like it. I at the end, like, I just it was it was definitely good. <laughs> it was good, but there's not planes in it. I'm voting for Top Gun. <laughs> I mean, she, she flies on a private plane quite often, actually. <laughs> yeah. Greg Tar Top Gun. All throughout the movie Tar, her biggest insult is that she calls people robots, and that is exactly what happens to her. She becomes the conducting equivalent of a robot, actually having like a click track that she conducts to. That is the ultimate nightmare. Like, she is punished as hard as any character has been punished. Uh, Tar is my vote. My real vote for my real friend, Tar. (laughs) Ooh, friend. (laughs) Yeah. That makes Greg problematic. Yes, yes, she's real and she's my friend. I have no problem saying that. Mike, now Tar has been elevated from real person to competition with us to be Greg's friend. I would would listen to at least three episodes of Greg and Lydia Tar on a podcast. (laughs) My dictionary would be out the whole time. I'd have several editions. <laughs> Just keep looking up Garrulous. <laughs> Why can't I fucking spell remember? this? <laughs> and it's just because Ta- Lydia Tar thinks that uh, Garrulous is a better word than Greg. So that's just what <laughs> she calls him. Greg the Garrulous. Uh, Mike, what is your vote? Uh, I am historically been put down as hating the first Top Gun. And I was blown away by the sequel. I, this is what a legacy sequel should do. It should make you care about characters you used to not care about at all. Uh, it was dope. I'm fine with a rogue nation is doing this. Don't ask any fucking questions. We don't want to piss anybody off right now. Uh, I enjoyed it thoroughly. Aren't blockbuster movies fun? But yeah, Tar Man is what should come out next. What? The superhero Tar Man. <laughs> what about the fact that the last 15 minutes of Top Gun Maverick, he's like, Top Gun. It's cool. Mission Impossible is cooler. Let's just change it into a Mission Impossible movie. <laughs> yeah. Let's just yeah. get on the ground and run around and I shoot. I didn't know he could do things out of a plane. <laughs> Ethan, we've uh, stolen the missiles from the missile silo. <laughs> Tar is moving on. Top Gun, congratulations. You are uh, roughly the same as RRR in that a great movie that we do have to move on from. When we come back, uh, we're going to take these four down to one. 
Hola, Felterinos. I just wanted to interrupt real briefly and say thank you for listening. Thank you for your support. If you want to support us a little more directly, you can go to patreon.com slash yourpopfilter. There, depending on what tier you pick, $1 a month, $5 a month. If you're crazy, anything more than $5 a month, don't do that. You can get extra content. There's extra shows, extra series, uh, behind-the-scenes stuff. Uh, you could pay for Ryan to draw you a picture. Uh, I can write you a poem. You can get the shirts off our very own backs. All of that and so much more over at patreon.com slash yourpopfilter. While you're on the internet, you should check out Shady Monk. He does all the tunes you've been listening to. He's on Bandcamp, he's on Spotify, uh, SoundCloud, wherever kids get their music these days that I'm too old to know. Shady Monk lives there. Uh, you can probably follow him on Twitter and Instagram as well. That's Shady Monk. Wherever you get music, check him out. This is it, the final four. This is the end of the best of the year, 2022. It is July 14th, 2026. And we are almost done. Nope. We have another show after this. It's best thing of the year. But before we get to that, we have our final four. And honestly, it gets easier from here. Like, those four, first four battles were very hard for me. But uh, up next, we have Everything Everywhere All at Once versus Nope. And I am going to go to Cassie. Oh, no. And I want you to talk to me about lack of a genre. When the genre is aside... And also, everybody has to vote, like, really quick. Don't fucking make a big deal out of it. Just vote. But, Cassie, <laughs> what what has, like, how do you learn to be a human by watching these two movies? Which one teaches you more? <laughs> but you want me to just breeze past this and vote quickly? Yeah, no, do I it want, quickly while you talk about I want, that. Yeah. <laughs> you've got 45 minutes. Everybody else has 30 seconds. Good. Um... I don't even remember the question, but... Um, <laughs> Why you got 45 every- minutes to make yourself comfortable? <laughs> <laughs> it's every- everything everywhere versus nope. Oh, God, that's such a hard matchup. I... Fuck. Both stuck with me at the end, which it's normally like, which one would I go back to? And I would watch both of these. And both were a delightful time, surprisingly. Nope was, I guess, delightful. It was a good watch. Uh, Do it- that time where um, the lead actor, he was in his truck... And he was about to get out, but there was a loud sound. He was like, nope. Yeah. That, that's <laughs> so good. I was pretty jazzed when that happened. I felt very basic <laughs> for that, but I am a basic person, so I just went with it. <laughs> it was just so quiet, too. He was like, no. Nope, nope, yeah, nope. dude. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I'm going to go everything, everywhere, all at once. Yeah. I, I, I mean, there's a lot of reasons why it's the 22 movie, the 22-iest movie. Caitlin, what are we thinking? Uh, I am also doing the same thing. Everything, everywhere, all at once. Okay. If I was a waiter, I'd be like, it's weird for both of you to order the same thing. Mike? <laughs> yeah. I Jordan Peele is one of my favorite directors. I'm going to go out and see. Even if there's no trailer, I'll go out and see. And I know I'm going to have to chew on his stuff afterwards. But even though that made me think longer and the Daniels, everything, everywhere, all at once is cleaner, I'd say. the It's a, a flawless cleanliness. And the multiverse is the theme of this year. So all of that, because Marvel, right? Right, Mike. Miggity, 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 Mac. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna continue with the same order of uh, everything, everywhere, all at once. Because I just, I think there's something so beautiful about this film. Does uh, let me ask everyone this uh, before Greg votes? Um, I putting the two up against each other. They're both trying a lot, and one I do believe is more successful. The one that you guys are voting for, but does it? count that like nope was 
almost forgotten and everything everywhere has just stuck with us. Is that part of it when you're voting is like it's it's so 22. Well, there's a reason, right? I mean, both of them came out in the beginning in Q1, which was fucking so long ago. And there's a reason one stuck with us and one I think did less so in the in the public consciousness. All right, great. Googly eyes. Clean sweep. (sighs) You know, I'm going to say something that is probably sacrilegious, which is I'm starting to get a little tired of multiverse stuff. (laughs) Uh, It's kind of at like the center of almost all entertainment, and it feels like it's starting to get a little a little raggedy. Um, And ultimately, I left everything everywhere all at once, and I felt very satisfied. It was super fun. But I, as I've said before, I like these kind of like chewier, like, well, what was that? And what's the implications of that? And how do you take the like the main point of the movie and apply it to this one element that seems to cut the other way? And Nope is the movie that has that for me. Uh, so I think I'm just going to go against the, the, the grain here and say Nope. I'm going to as well. I like everything everywhere. And I love that it happened you know like i love that people went to a theater to see non-ip and i just i've seen it twice now and i do think it's a little bit sloppy i think it's a little too bumpy i think it's a little too whatever sticks to the wall whatever idea we should put in there and maybe Uh, by intention right like it almost feels like they tried to wear that on their sleeve a little bit yeah but like at a certain point you're getting in the way of what you're actually like there's so much good about this movie and I can't pick a scene. It's not butt plugs. It's not uh, wiener fingers. It's not raccoonie. It's that all of it at the same time. It might be raccoonie, though. It's probably raccoonie. <laughs> uh, they may have overreached a little bit on that one. Whereas uh, Nope is like, if, if me and Greg ever have a second of silence and we're hanging out with each other, one of us will just be like, Nope, and we'll just talk about it. Because like, <laughs> that's sort of what Jordan Peele's movies do. I'm going to go with Nope, but we don't have the votes. Everything <laughs> always moves on. <laughs> what are you on Fox News? You don't have the votes. No, I'm on Hamilton. 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 No. The musical, Sorry. Ryan. Yeah, Disney that's Plus, basically that's old school <laughs> Fox News, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> the next battle is Fablemans versus Tar. Mike, you're starting us out here. We have uh, the analogs of two re- very real people: Sammy <laughs> Fableman, Steven Spielberg, uh, Lydia Tar, which of course is an analog for Titty Alar. <laughs> I... That's the end of the bit, Mike. It's your vote. Oh, I thought I, I didn't want to interrupt. I thought that was a long silence, man. Yeah, I thought that it, your sentence ended in such that I thought it was continuing. Uh, at, for ever, just so oh, everyone knows, when is. I say <laughs> when I say titty, when I say titty alar, that's it. I'm done. Uh, yeah, it's it's which one uh, for intellectual versus heartstrings, and I'm gonna go with heartstrings and to. Be into this game as long as he is, and every few movies be like, no, I need you to know even more that this movie is about me. I know I've done that a few times in my past, but even fucking more. Uh, I I was blown away uh, so quickly. uh, I was in love with everything everybody was doing. Uh, The Fablemans. Mac? Yeah, I I think The Fablemans... it really entertained me throughout, but it also made me think I had a blast watching it. So it's going to get my vote. Holy shit. Caitlin? Tar. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go, women. <laughs> Let's go, problematic women. Yeah, problematic Woo, woo, woo. Caitlin, do you think that a vote be... for. Do you think that a vote for Fable Mates is a vote against women? No, I just. 
I think Tar was definitely a better movie. Cassie? A vote for Tar might be a vote against women. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's go women, not Tar. Holy shit. It's two to two, Greg. We didn't talk about the, the part in Tar where she tries to delete emails by just deleting them from her own, <laughs> her own email yeah. Geniuses are dumb. Geniuses Which is are so dumb. It's because they need people to like do the normal life stuff for them. It's um, as boomer as throwing your computer into a dumpster and hoping that solves your problems. <laughs> this is this is a very tough one, but uh, ultimately, I'm glad that we did that movie of the year about AI, Ryan. We did that bonus episode about AI because I feel like that movie kind of taught me how to watch this one, which is this is not a guy who likes to look at the world dead on. You know, he likes to look at it through a camera, and that's how he learns about it. Um Shit. Uh, also so good. I, I have to go with what my heart's saying. I think I'm going to do the same thing Mike did, which is that like I felt really, really good after watching The Fablemans, and I felt like positive about movies and positive about like the patron saint of our podcast, which is Steven Spielberg. And um, yeah, The Fablemans. I'm going to go with it. I feel like the smarter answer is Tar, to be honest, but I just I can't. And I, I have to be true to Greg, and it's The Fablemans. Uh, speaking of smarter, it's Ryan's turn. And uh, <laughs> as much as I love Spielberg, oh man, and not fun, just, huh, Ryan? When it's your turn, <laughs> I have uh, my top four movies of the year are After Sun, obviously, <laughs> incredible, incredible movie, <laughs> uh, and then Tar, Fablemans, and Banshees. So this is rough, like this, uh, but I think that it is Tar is the most twenty-two movie, and Tar is the most is like. The, the the most well-made movie. I love Fablemans, but like Tar is... It's like, what if Jordan Peele made a movie where we talk about it? <laughs> That's what I would say Tar is. So Tar moves on to the finals. Here we go. I, I feel like this is... Tar has fucked itself. It's everything everywhere all at once versus Tar. Cassie? Everything everywhere. You don't want to talk about your thought or... No, no we, so we, we got we a we quick round quick. this. <laughs> Just no, no. Listen to your heart. What comes out first? Everything, everywhere. I'm hosting now. We don't have to go fast at all. Greg, what yeah. are we doing? <laughs> um, this is not that hard for the old Gregster. I'm going to go with Tar. We cannot. I'm going to say let's go women and go with everything, everywhere, and inaccurate <laughs> and appropriate. <laughs> it's Women's Month, <laughs> and this will be out. Where women are both the heroes <laughs> and the villain of the story. <laughs> Caitlin. Yeah. Oh, oh, yes. Um, everything, everywhere, all at once. <laughs> there was a question. Mike, it's everything, everywhere, all at once versus Tar. And this, the decision comes down to you. What is the movie of the year? A-O. That stands for E-E-A-A-O. I forgot to spell it. Everything, everywhere, all at once. <laughs> I give Tar two votes, but I don't have the votes. Everything Everywhere All at Once is your pop filter movie of the year 2022. It was the number one seed. It's probably going to win Best Picture. Are we hacks? No, I mean, I I personally voted against it three times, but now that it is the <laughs> answer, I, I, I have to say, like, you, you know, go out on the street and tell people what the 2022 movie of the year is. They're going to agree with you, like whether it's my mom and dad or my youngest nephew, like they're going to have the same opinion. So I, I think that means something. Tar is too like, fuck you, like, like tries to get rid of its audience as hard as it can. Um, Top Gun, I think, is the. Maybe that's the one where like people would argue with you, but like 
I don't know. Everything, everywhere, all at once feels like a blockbuster and an art house mm-hmm. movie all at the same time. It's the best of the blockbusters and the best of the art house. So, I guess this does make sense. We all have dreams and we all fart, and that's what I feel like this movie is about. <laughs> they, lo- the Daniels love farting, man, and they, this movie was turned down. Caitlin, yeah. you've seen Swiss Army Men. I have seen Swiss Army Men with Daniel Radcliffe. Yes. You watched it with Daniel Radcliffe? I did. I watched it. He was right next to me. And he was like, this is the moment where I fought. And is it better like, than Everything Everywhere? Uh, no. I thought Swiss Army <laughs> Men was a little bit messy where it's like, it's just, it was, the message was sweet, but I think it was missed with so much farting, which I love farting, but like, I know. there was I know just so do, much buddy. of it. The farting <laughs> I don't think is what ruined my message. I think it was he, the fact that he's been stalking this woman for years. Yeah, that, that, that's what that ruined is. the sweet message for me. Yeah, and then he, I mean, he did fart off into the distance. Like, What is stalking but love persisting? (laughs) (laughs) Even through court orders? (laughs) Christ. All right. We have to send somebody to the MCU and somebody to make another movie with like $5 million. It's the Daniels or Todd Field, director of Tar. Where are we going? The Daniels. To make MCU? Yeah. To make Greg... A character that says, what is stalking? Yeah. <laughs> How about Todd Field? And he's doing uh, Doctor Strange leading his Strange Academy. So, like, he basically is... We oh. imagine Lydia Tarr is a fictional character like Doctor Strange is. And then he leads the Academy. And he's got, like, the same attitude and weirdness that she does. I love how much, um, I don't know, like, uh, imagination and... Uh, fiction we have to add to just pretend to imagine that Lydia Tarr is a fictional character <laughs> like <laughs> Mac which director of these eight movies do you want to see in the MCU oh of all eight I get to choose of everyone mm-hmm. I'm gonna go with Jordan Jordan Peele no but then he's not gonna make his movies bad Wait, answer man. why does this mean that he can't make his movies I didn't know I was choosing the direction who for did the life. Banshees one Jesus. that's Martin McDonough I would want that there's a Marvel character named Banshee whoa yeah and Colin Farrell plays him but he's a real piece of shit just kind of like he sort of is in the comics <laughs> guys ever notice that Ryan doesn't know how to end shows <laughs> I think it's going really well right now <laughs> Thank you. it's just there's one sentence you say one sentence we're done Congratulations to everything, everywhere, all at once. Fuck Mike. Fucking fuck Mike. He's a piece of shit. Fuck him. Fuck him. This is Mike Banshee's nightmares coming true. (laughs) Fuck him in his dunkaroo. You have fat fucking fingers, too. No, that is true, though. Can't get a ring around him. Don't even need to turn into hot dogs. They already are. Are both characters in this? Four Mac, four fucking donkey. <laughs> oh, that was the sweetest. That's why my wife is always like, "Don't let Mike in the house." Why do you always let Mike in the house? He's an ass. <laughs> four Mac, four Mike, for Caitlin, for Cassie, for Greg. I am Ryan. Congratulations to Eo, which is what Mike's donkey says when he lets her into the house. Uh, that's the movie of the year. When we come back next time, best thing of the year. Let's do it.